1: Adulthood. Hi, welcome to Camp Adulthood. Um, I'm Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood, and we I'm here with, of course... Maddie Yerge, the resident youth. And Excellent. we're joined by
0: Kevin Barr.
2: Should I say my name as well? Yes. Well, my name is Kevin Barr. <laughs> yes. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're
0: looking forward to talking to Kevin about living in the city and his screenwriting and movie aficionado-ness.
2: I'll do my my best.
0: (laughs) That's all we ask. Mm -hmm.
2: Excellent.
0: But first, before we get into talking to Kevin and all of our usual millennial moment shenanigans, um,
1: Shay, did we get a fan letter? Oh, Maddie, we did get a fan letter. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and read this. Uh, uh, This is from our fan, Michael. Hi, Michael. Um... The subject of the email is emailing boomers message. Are we ready?
2: <laughs> yes. Emailing boomers. Dear boomers. Like, like baby, baby
1: boomer generation. generation.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So, um, all right, here we go. Dear Camp Adulthood. The other day I was emailing my coworker, Danny. I don't know Danny's age exactly, but based on appearances, I can conjecture. He's likely middle-aged and likely a boomer. Important context giving the subject of this podcast. Uh, and here's an interjection from Camp Adulthood. I think middle-aged people are now squarely Gen X and not Boomers. But yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's true. Solid, yeah. Uh, and back to the email. Anywho, I was emailing Danny asking for PDFs of past construction drawings. I work for a utility company, so this is a pretty mundane conversation. He replies back with this mike dwg.f-48-692 found in hp main book number 34 and c-29dwg dot is all i could locate on the requested location those who say money can't buy happiness have never bought a puppy danny no mention of puppies until this point and i think quote okay thanks for the drawings and i agree with the sentiment but why is he shoehorning a discussion about puppies? Is he tired of people only emailing him to get construction drawings? Does he wish he could talk more about fun subjects? Is he lonely? Should I walk down to his desk with frozen yogurts for the both of us and talk about our favorite breeds? End quote. It turns out the puppy thing is actually his new email signature, his own quirky personal touch to an otherwise boring form of communication. The problem is this wasn't immediately apparent. I thought it was part of the actual message. And it caused me to think he's a total loon. I still do. <laughs> More examples of email signature silliness I've seen: number one, my coworker Bobby calling himself the top dog; number <laughs> two, my coworker Tim with this quote, "Not the hand, just the instrument." A senior guy. Uh, end quote. And then, what, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, <laughs> what? my mom with 30 lines of quotes from bill gates gandhi maya angelou einstein you name it four a jpeg image of captain america's shield that was big enough to be a desktop wallpaper (laughs) why be obnoxious like that you could have just put your contact info but instead you decided to occupy half my computer screen with your captain america fandom which took five minutes to load this goes beyond email signatures Email has existed for over two decades, yet I've come across so many boomers lacking basic email etiquette. Ancient millennials and Gen Zers are usually good with emails. Gen Xers are mostly good with some exceptions. Many regular millennials are still on the learning curve, but put in a solid effort. Personally, I can take 30 minutes deliberating over two sentences, making sure the grammar, clarity, style, and tone are all perfect. Then I get an email from a boomer, our parents' generation, the people we're supposed to look up to, the generation that, and then in all capital letters, INVENTED email. (laughs) I'm assuming. I didn't actually look it up. And the message is utter garbage. (laughs) What are your thoughts? Those who say money can't buy happiness have never bought a puppy. Sincerely, Michael. (laughs) Michael, thank you you so much. That was really superior. It's very well-researched. He had to... Think yeah.
0: about all of those ridiculous email signatures he's seen over the time. It's crazy. I can't
2: even ima- I can't even count them, you know.
1: No, neither can I. And I think it's very interesting because my favorite is when the older generation has like their email signature in like a fun font.
2: Yeah. Comic sans usually.
1: Yeah. Comic sans. Yes, thank you. Um But my other thing, and this is just a general pet peeve that I have to throw out there on this topic, is I hate when people have in their email signature of their phone, and I apologize to all of my friends and family and former coworkers and mentors, I'm about to apologize, or I'm about to apologize, I'm apologizing to you because I'm about to insult you. (laughs) I hate it. When people are like, please excuse the typos on a phone or some like clever repartee in relation to that. It's like, no, oh. spend two minutes and read through the email. I've never seen up. that. That's super weird. Oh, my God. I've seen my favorite one is um, one of my old bosses used to always like when she was typing about appointments, she'd write I'm a veil uh-huh. on Wednesday. And then it would always autocorrect to evil. So she had to put that in that was actually funny but <laughs> cuz you get these emails from her that were like i'm evil on tuesday and i'd be like no <laughs> no wrong got to resend so anyway that's my my yeah uh, i don't know, don't know if I'm
0: it's happy. i mean like michael works for a utility company which like i would assume is pretty straight-laced but i've definitely seen it more within personal emails and maybe shay and kevin cuz you guys work in more creative fields you see a little bit more creativity with the email signatures and people are a little bit more loosey goosey, but like at my, I've seen the craziness that Michael was talking about with like, you know, my personal emails and like volunteering and stuff like that. But in terms of um, like my work emails, like we're not e- like the structure of your email signature is like predefined by the company where I work at. And you're not even mm-hmm. allowed to put like, like if you have a distinction, like if you have a CFA certified financial analyst you're not allowed to put that, like, any sort of special certification in your email signature because it, you know, we're supposed to be, like, one firm, like, no one's supposed to be better than anyone else, and that could signify that you're qualified to give financial advice, which not everyone is, even, you know, to the layperson if you have a qualification. Um, It could seem like you're, you know, if you're giving advice to a client, your advice is, you know, better than someone else's advice, so I'm not even allowed to put, like, where I went to school or anything like that, um, that could be relevant. So it's very interesting. But I have interacted with Michael's mom, who he, I don't know if she listens to the podcast, but I love you, Mary. <laughs> She's a great person. But um, her Facebook, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I feel like there's a correlation between the email etiquette and the Facebook etiquette. Absolutely. Oh, clearly, yes. And sure. uh, Michael's mom's Facebook is hysterical because she's super active and she shares a bunch of stuff and some of it is like super cool like relevant articles and like photos and stuff but some of it's clearly like clickbait weird Mm -hmm. stuff and i'm like oh god this is who they're targeting like middle-aged women you know it's super funny and she always tags michael and like embarrassing stuff and he doesn't respond it's super funny
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think facebook has become the new email for boomers and and gen xers in a way um i can't speak for everybody in the film industry, but just in my experience from my slight work I've had mm-hmm. so far, um, nobody has time for signatures. They just, they just send stuff out. If they have a signature, it's usually just their phone number or like, yeah. an address you address just can reach them. It's almost like texting number. in a way. Yeah, essentially, because there's so many emails you send out every single day that I haven't really come across that many signatures, especially not, cl- I haven't seen I haven't seen a single clever one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I haven't seen that since high school. Um, I kind of miss it now, actually. Now that I think about it.
1: So interesting fact: I just I, I belong to this online networking group for ladies and entrepreneurs, and somebody recently they Wait, do like what this is it teachable, called? Do you mind saying? Um, no, it's called unfuckwithable girlfriends. Oh, okay, because I was and. We could talk offline about that. We can cut this oh, part. Like, I was just curious. <laughs>
2: so oh, I
1: have an I affiliate just... link. If you want to do it, then I get a deal. It's like oh, twenty five dollars a month. That's it's awesome. Um, actually shout out to them. It's a really cool group. I would highly recommend everyone check them out. Yeah. Use um, but, uh, Shay's affiliate link. <laughs> yeah, use my affiliate link. We'll put it in the in the um on the, the bloggy 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 website yeah anyway don't put that cut that bit out me <laughs> not being able to speak english so but the point is this woman they do this thing on thursdays it's like hashtag teachable thursday and everyone's invited to like share something it can be actually something relevant or it can be like this is how you make soup um but this one lady and it's mostly people in creative industries and this one lady was saying everyone should have a super basic signature if you're an entrepreneur that has your website and whatever and even for your personal emails because she was talking about how she has received clients and gotten interest um, from just like emailing her banker and it has her website and then the banker will email back and be like oh yeah thanks so we got your deposit also I see that you're a web developer can I talk to you about that and then she gets you know um clients from that so for anybody who's side hustling or an entrepreneur i think that's a really good tip like if you hate your signature like put your website in there put what you do um because it can get you some uh you know extra work yeah that's a really good
0: idea Mm -hmm. awesome so again our email is hello at (laughs) campadulthood.com and i think michael used the form submission on the website if you go to like the contact page on campadulthood.com um Fun fact if you submit those forms, it goes to the email. So, uh, also achieves the same goal. All
1: right. Uh, Maddie, can we dive right into our interview with Kevin? I'm really excited to start talking to him. Um, Kevin, can you tell us, please? You already told us your name, uh, Mm -hmm. but how old you are, where you were born, um, what year you were born, how you know our Madeline and um fun facts about yourself what do you do what's your story and we'll go from there
2: i'm going to forget every single one of those questions that's, that's okay. um watch. um okay so my social security number is <laughs> um okay so i was born in maryland um but my parents moved to north carolina when i was five years old um so i was raised by northerners even though i grew up in the south so i pretty much I identify, I self-identify as a Northerner, even (laughs) though um, everyone asks me, you know, oh, what was it like growing up in the South? I'm like, I I grew up in Charlotte, you know, there were suburban outlets just popping up everywhere um, down there. Um, How old are you? Oh, um, I guess I should have started with that. I am 24 years old, believe believe it or not. Um, The people I worked with last summer... They were amazed that to find out that I wasn't twenty eight years old, and I really didn't know how to take that. You do you know? look
0: older. You're very hey, tall.
2: You. Maybe that's it. But one guy thought that I looked my age. I just also looked like I could be a dad. And I, don't, well, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to take that one either.
1: Yeah, dads are great.
0: That's great. Yeah. So you, dads are great. You grew up in Charlotte. Where did you go to college, and what did you study?
2: I went to um, college at University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Uh, Usually you say UNC, people immediately think Chapel Hill, but it's this whole branch of schools, and Wilmington had the best film school out of the whole bunch, Um, so film has basically just been my lifelong passion ever since before I can remember. I was a little kid uh, browsing through the movie section of the newspapers, just memorizing the showtimes, just so I could be like this movie's play at this time, and, oh. you know, what if we can go see this? Isn't that
0: such a nostalgic moment? Like, I remember looking at that, too, like, the grids in the yeah. newspaper to find the movie times. Exactly. Oh, They're memories. completely
2: gone now because the internet's replaced them, but yeah. I still have several newspapers from when I was a kid, and I thought that, you know, when I was eight years old, I thought, this will be valuable someday. They're just Aww. old newspapers. I mean, um, it might be.
0: If it means something to you, it might mean other- something to other people as well.
2: We'll see. We'll see if I can sell them for any money um uh so so basically film has just been my lifelong dream and it wasn't until fourth grade that i realized that people actually get paid to make them as well so once that started that was immediately what i wanted to do um and i've always just been um a writer first and foremost of film because it's the one thing related to film you can do on your own you yeah. don't need anybody else involved. You can just write. You don't need a budget. You don't need money to do it. Just open up a notebook and write, really. Um, so that was just always my... Uh, I knew you know, going to college and thinking about college that I was going to study film no matter what. And my parents wanted me to go to a more well-rounded school in case I did change my mind. Um
0: Seems like but, you haven't changed your mind yet.
2: <laughs> not Aww. yet. I mean, I got a bachelor's, so um, so this it's kind, it's kind of something. no turning back yeah. at this point. Um,
0: but you've been in New York since you graduated.
2: Essentially, yeah. I had a brief layover in the beautiful Culpeper, Virginia, where I worked oh, for fun. the Library of Congress for about oh, 90 days. I didn't know Fine. that about you. Oh, really? No, no it, was, um, it was a blast. I worked the, um, since the Library of Congress has copies of... Like almost every American film that's ever been copyrighted. Yeah. Um, they, ha- on films, so giant 35 millimeter film reels, um, they couldn't keep them all in D.C. So in the 90s, they converted an old Cold War nuclear bunker that was used to house the treasury in case a bomb fell on Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in the side of a mountain. They converted that bunker into a film vault and they built this oh, office so around cool. it that's essentially... Um, the National Audiovisual Preservation Center I believe is what's I believe is the official name um and it is a beautiful office it's an amazing building and they never let people in there you can look up <laughs> videos of it online and it's really cool to that. but there's yeah. like there's like one tour every year and they wow. sell out very quickly so if anybody ever gets the chance i ha- and you're in virginia for some reason. Um, not to dis-Virginia, because I'm sure my mom yeah. might be listening to this and she's from UVA. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> Lots of lovely people from Virginia.
2: Exactly. Plenty plenty of lovely listeners from Virginia. Yeah. Um,
0: so you did that for three months and then yeah, immediately, you decided you didn't want to stay in Virginia. You wanted to come to New York.
2: Well, I knew I didn't want to stay in Virginia. Well, I mean, the problem is um, it was a 90-day job at the Library of Congress mm-hmm. and what I heard basically was that once you get hired into a full-time position there you're there for almost your entire life because people rarely get fired in that kind of job and you know a lot of people do it because they love film right it seems like
0: such a niche yeah it's very
2: it's very niche not to mention that you need a master's in library science yeah i was gonna say like
0: archival stuff
2: yeah i would love I would love a full-time job at, uh, like, a film archive, but if I need to go back to school to get a master's in library science to yeah. do it, <laughs> yeah, probably not what it, I'm going to get a master's in. Right.
1: So, Kevin, um, tell us what movies really, you know, make your proverbial uh, skirt fly up. Uh, what are you interested in? What inspires you? And um, what are you working on?
2: Um, well, there's, uh, you know, for me... I've never been able to pinpoint like a single genre or type of film that gets my blood boiling or gets my potatoes boiling, so to speak. Um, it's just, if it's if it's good, it's good and I really connect to it. But most of the time I connect to stories that are more, more focused on the human side of things uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, I can go out to the latest, um, you know, big budget comic book and... You know, I can enjoy it, but if it doesn't have like an interesting human side to it, which a lot of them do, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of them have good things. Like uh, Wonder Woman was my personal favorite of the superhero movies from last year because there were a lot, as always. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If there's not something that's human and interesting about them, I usually forget them like pretty much right away, right as I leave the theater. Um, So for me, it's um, a lot of classic Hollywood and then um pretty much it's just, there's stuff from like nearly every every time yeah, era, i every was gonna country. say i feel like you see everything yeah it's it's, oh it's, a, you always it's find a tough something question about um, now,
1: do you have a favorite movie or film <laughs> or is that just i shouldn't even ask that question
2: I could try and give a top ten right now. Sure, okay. I can't I can't guarantee a number one.
1: Yeah. That's uh, all right.
2: My go to answer for the longest time was modern times, the Charlie Chaplin film from nineteen thirty six. Oh, cool. Um, because that just has everything in it. It's funny, it's exciting, it has something to say about the world. Not that I look for that in movies, but it's a nice bonus. But it's also romantic in a way that it's like a very naive and um, like, beautiful and simple kind of romance that you don't see anymore, you know? Usually you have mm-hmm. to have, like, something behind it, you know? You have to have some sort of character, like, you know, develop, like, strong development, you have to have them fall out of love and in love, but no, these are just two people who are bound together because they're both in really tough times and they just make the best of it, and to me, like, when I saw that when I was young, that just completely warmed my heart, but the fact that the movie's hilarious doesn't hurt. Yeah, um, yeah. Then, uh, Hitchcock is probably my favorite director ever, even though it's a cliche answer, it's just true, so Rear uh, Window. I mean,
0: those movies hold up, for they sure. They really
2: hold up. Like, you can show that to somebody who hates classic movies, and they will just be sucked right in. Like, um,
0: Psycho is one of my favorites.
2: Yeah, Psycho is incredible, um, and Strangers on a Train, like, show that to oh, somebody who doesn't very like Black... Good. So that's someone who doesn't like black and white movies and like have them get back to me and be like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I was bored the whole time. It literally begins with two strangers talking about murder, like, you
0: know,
2: (laughs) it's so it's so great. But Rear Window is my personal favorite of all of them. So you got those two Um, singing in the rain has to be up Mm -hmm. there. Um, so good again another one movie you could musical
0: show. great genre
2: yeah, oh my god there are so many movie musicals i absolutely love um i think that's one genre that i definitely am a sucker for not not just not like broadway shows adapted to musicals because but like those real can be sort,
0: movie yeah things musicals, that were made yeah. to
2: be movies because they can be really outlandish and really just flamboyant and awesome you know yeah. taking full advantage of what they have um, there's this beautiful drama from 1937. That I'm going to take a second to plug because nobody has ever seen this movie. It's called Make Way for Tomorrow, and all it is is about two elderly people who have to separate and be with their kid, live with their children for a while because of the Great Depression. the The bank takes their home away from them. You describe that to people; most people are like, "I don't want to watch yeah. that." <laughs> no. but it is one of the first off. It's usually described as the saddest movie ever made. Oh, so, that's so, fair warning. Real,
1: yeah, Good plug.
2: Fair warning, but at the same time, I think it's one of the most beautiful films ever made. And, like, it never fails to make me tear up a little bit by the end. Oh, um, that's great. And uh, Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, the Before Trilogy from Richard Linklater. Oh, um, oh, um, oh yeah, Before Midnight. Before, before Sunrise, yeah. Before Sunset. Before Sunset's my personal favorite. Just, you know because I like the idea of, like, age and, like, lost chances, and, like, you know, what if you get a second chance at something? What are you you going to do with it then? Um, uh, Day for Night, one of my favorite films about making movies, Um, and I love so many of them, but that's easily my number one pick for those. Um, And Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, that was one of those movies that... I always say it's one of those few moments in life I've had where I've watched it and I thought to myself, how the hell did he make that? Yeah. <laughs> Not in terms of content, like, you know, obviously it's very risque, you know, mm-hmm. if anybody watching this is under 17, you probably shouldn't watch Boogie Nights yet. But I just sat up and I was like, I cannot believe that this came out of somebody's brain yeah. <laughs> and is mm-hmm. on the screen in front of me because it's... It's just so incredible. I don't know. So I don't know if that's 10. That's something. That's, something awesome. I think
1: that's awesome. And, of course, uh, we are coming into Oscar season. I think they're in a couple weeks. Um, what's your top pick for best film this year?
2: This year is really interesting. Um, usually if I... Well, they're all so
1: different, I feel. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. And usually if I go to an Oscar party, like, I've looked into things. I, I, I cheat a little bit. You yeah. know, I look <laughs> into, like, what the prognosticators is that a real word
0: like 538 and stuff like that exactly i look into
2: like what they recommend like they track it for months and months right and
0: And you can always look at like who's won the golden globe and the Mm -hmm. sag awards and
2: the sag awards the pgas the wgas the dgas all the gas um (laughs) but this year
0: it's kind of been all over the place
2: there's no front runner it's incredible. Yeah. Anything, anything could I'm a big
0: it. award show person, just yeah. in general. Like, tonight, as we're recording, the Grammys are on, so I was watching that before Kevin came over. I just love, like, the red God carpet celebrity God bless you for stuff.
2: skipping the- for I
1: know, Maddie. Through,
0: like, oh, no. I mean, this is much more exciting, because it's a treat when I get to sit and talk to Kevin, but I also have it on the DVR, so- oh and sometimes oh, okay. they, are, they are very long and yeah. sometimes i skip through stuff but it's like
2: you don't you want to make me feel good but not that good no no, you no. Know? this is definitely <laughs>
0: much more exciting but um yeah i've just noticed i i get into like the oscar stuff mm-hmm. um I don't, and there's been stuff like denzel washington got nominated but for a movie that like i don't think anyone saw
2: no you know? it's Weird uh stuff. that movie and from the writer director of nightcrawler which i loved
0: oh yeah with jake gyllenhaal yeah
2: that was an awesome movie yeah but this one i just saw nothing about it it came out nobody saw it and now he's nominated for an oscar yeah it's just one of those
0: things it's like the meryl streep effect of people
1: just love denzel washington i think
2: and good on them he's amazing you know
1: yeah for sure um so it's just i'm looking at them quickly i sadly haven't seen as many of these as i would like to have seen um but just i'm like which of these are like super millennial and obviously you've got to talk about ladybird and you have to talk about get out i think those two are probably the most relatable for our generation and i have only seen ladybird i did not see get out but i was obsessed i loved it i thought it was phenomenally done i think Greta Gerwig is an amazing director. I love Saoirse Ronan. I thought it was an amazing script um, because in a lot of ways she was talking about my life. I mean, I was that age in whatever, you know, 2003. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought it was on point. I'd love to hear what you guys think, um, particularly you, Kevin, but as a film um, professional, um, but also as younger millennials.
2: Oh, my God. Lady Bird is a masterpiece without even breaking a sweat. Like, you watch it, and you think to yourself, like, I've seen this, I've seen a coming-of-age story before, like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. used to all this stuff, but then it sneaks up on you, and by the end, you're just in tears, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you know, and I can't explain it. If I just describe, if you just describe Lady Bird to somebody, they yeah, think, Yeah, it's a very oh,
0: simple plot, Yeah, it's not, it's you know.
2: It's about a girl who goes through her senior year of high school, it's all there yeah. is to it, you know, ups and downs, mm-hmm. but... Every single scene in that movie is so good. Like, it's just, it's impossible to describe. You just got to go see yeah. it, really. And, uh, mm-hmm. when I put out a list of, like, my favorite, like, every movie I saw, like, ranked from favorite oh, to Oh, yeah, least I saw favorite. that on Facebook.
0: Maybe yeah. if you give us permission, I could copy that and put it on Absolutely. the website. No, that'd be that, fine. It was very interesting. I saw
2: read. 94, these are all films that were released in theaters. I <laughs> have seen 94 films, um, this year, which is a new record. Oh, wow. And, um... And Lady Bird was my number two. Like, what that was just... your number one? Uh, my number one is Faces Places, uh, nominated mm. for best documentary at the Oscars mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Um, Agnès Varda, who's one of my favorite filmmakers ever, is just this adorable but like feisty and like really, you know, strong eighty uh, nine year old uh, French woman. Uh, she's a film. She's been f- making films since the fifties. Uh, she's one of the f- first female filmmakers in France, I believe. Um, And uh, now she's teamed, and for this film, she teamed up with a street artist named JR, who does these massive portraits and murals of people on like, a massive on like a giant scale so what they did they go to the french countryside places that people have forgotten take photos of people and blow them up and like put them you know on buildings and on like water towers and they do really clever things with that so again, it's one of those things that like describing it doesn't do it justice. Like I told mm-hmm. people when it came out, you just got to go see it. It's just not going to be the same. Like you won't realize yeah. what it is without seeing it. And um, luckily I work at the theater where it premiered and Agnes Varda awesome. and Jr. were there. And that was a very stressful night of my life. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> see it. your idols. right? yeah. Oh, absolutely amazing. I mean, she was hysterical to be around, uh, but it was, she's like, you know, one of my idols. So I was just thinking to myself, I need to say something, but I can't say something. (laughs) And in the end, I didn't say something. Sometimes it's,
1: you know, better to keep the distance. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I have a long history of meeting – so I'm a writer and meeting my favorite writers and, like, literally blacking out. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have no no recollection of what I said to them Exactly. Or whatever I was doing, yeah. I do the exact so. same
2: thing with filmmakers, especially uh, writer-directors I really admire. If I try talking to them, um, I will either black out – like, I'll completely forget everything that I said to them, although I'm sure it was embarrassing <laughs> – or two – I will be so mortified by what I said that I feel like it was the wrong thing to say, or it was too cool. cliche or stupid oh. that I will remember it for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. I, oh, no. I went to uh, the New York Film Festival premiere of Carol uh, oh, yeah. two or three years ago. Oh, so cool! One of my favorite films of the past like decade, I think. And um, I asked a question. I ended up getting uh, had my hand raised and asked a question at the at the at the Q and A, uh, and Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara answered it oh gosh and as the words left my <laughs> mouth I realized I was not worthy to be talking to <laughs> Cate Blanchett and Rooney Mara because um that thing about movie stars having like a certain quality and like mm-hmm. you know looking beautiful and looking like celebrities and it just powerful presences it's not just on screen. It's in real life, too. Yeah. So Kate Blanchett yeah. and Rooney Mara walk out onto the stage, and even though they're very nice and very unassuming, I still felt unworthy in their presence because they're just yeah. so, so yeah. beautiful. And who am I? Genius. You know.
1: Well, I think one day you're also going to be a, a filmmaker of great renown. Um, and on that note, I just... Out of a question. So in my professional life right now, I'm currently working on a project with a filmmaker who is my age. So he's 34, I guess, 34 and a little bit older than me, actually. And he's kind of, you know, he's put out some films to festivals and we're basically redoing his branding and marketing. But I would love Maddie. Actually, we should get Aaron on the podcast as well, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially as a maybe as a kind of a companion uh, episode to this um yeah, because terrible. i love so he's 10 years in you're just mm-hmm. starting yeah um so what... I, I
2: i never think of it as just starting i always think yeah. like i need to do so much work why have i not no done much so much by no. now
1: oh my god you're such a you guys are so young so <laughs> i guess you know what what is your day-to-day look like now and what do you want it to look like in 10 years
2: um well right now i work part-time at a movie theater. Um, I absolutely love the job and I love the people around me Um, unfortunately you know I need a little bit more money so I gotta so I'm working on finding other work within the film industry or at least part time stuff somewhere or another but almost every free time I get I'm either watching a movie or working on various scripts of mine. So right now I'm uh, developing a feature script of mine that I'll get into later. So I, several days I just work on that, um, mm-hmm. you know, either adjusting the script, um, making the, the the most minute changes. Like um, like I told Maddie the other night, one day I just in my recent draft, all I did was change a comma to a period, and that was it.
1: I believe it was uh, one of the Russians. It was either Chekhov or Dostoevsky who said. There's a story about his wife came out at lunch and was like, "Oh, what have you been doing all day?" And he goes, "I worked so hard. I changed five commas. Yeah, been working all day. So I'll have to look up that story. But but even writing a like feature, genius.
0: Yeah, That's, it's so much. How many pages is a feature script typically?
2: Um, it's anywhere between um, ninety. Like people, it's a page per minute, so it's usually okay. like ninety to one ninety to one hundred twenty pages. This feature was. 80 when it first started and i've done several different drafts over the years and now it's up to 90 okay um which That's i a feel lot. is better i cannot
0: um, even imagine like
2: it's funny it's actually my shortest feature oh my I, I, i'm usually prone to overwriting so I, my longest is 130 pages i like awesome. no one's gonna see that <laughs> no one's gonna see that <laughs> but... movie
1: I don't know as a as a writer myself I, I'm always my philosophy and what I tell people that I work with is like write too much because you can always edit down and Absolutely. it's really hard to edit in
2: the well yeah. not only that but um you know you might have a good idea one day and if you don't write it down but because you think well I might edit it out later you're never going mm-hmm. to get it back
1: you know, exactly
2: if you think that exactly. it is good um yeah. so, so where
1: do you see yourself in 10 years What's
0: the dream? We're all gonna be skiing and sundance.
2: <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> that's the idea. Well actually I'm not uh good at skiing. I'll just take the tubes, yeah. <laughs> you know, just do the snow tubes. Nah. So, I um, just mean
0: we're all gonna go see Kevin be a fancy I
2: have uh, I always say that my dream um is to write screenplays and be paid for it. Like that is my dream yeah. that's my that's my dream career. Um, yeah. you know, like because because that's what i would love to do because i can already because everybody can write like anybody can write in their spare time if they really want to mm-hmm. being paid for it is the problem right so <laughs> yeah. if i could make a living off of writing screenplays that would absolutely be my dream and then if i could direct films as well even better that's like 100 percent the dream of mine but the goal mm-hmm. at least would be at, you'd be like at that point in 10 years I would love to be you know getting paid to write things as opposed okay. to right now sort of bouncing around from job to job
1: i think that's a very reasonable
2: goal so you'd think so but it never quite feels like it well <laughs> well, you're, well, you're
0: in the middle of it. we were talking about it the other day of producing a feature
2: yes absolutely um oh
1: cool mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's
2: Tell a us about- well um the name of it is called reading for sarah and um uh, almost always i write story i write stories about women just because they're more interesting to me than men i'm sorry amen um and uh so it's about i had the idea back in college um i think i wrote the original draft three and a half years ago by this point but it's about four different um four different actresses who are all auditioning for the same role and you see the rest of their it's like this thankless role in a male-driven cop drama you know the classic supportive wife role that's very Mm -hmm. underwritten you see their audition and then for each of them you see the rest of their day so that you see like their lives are more complicated and more complex than you know what they're being asked to play um on film and so that's the gist of it so it's essentially four short films when combined they make like you know uh, a stronger impact mm-hmm. as a feature uh, but you could mm-hmm. also split it up and that's what we're gonna do. We're hoping to split it up uh, between parts and just shoot it in those brief little segments so that um, you know it'll, it'll just be easier. you'll have more time to commiserate with the actors and rehearse it and uh, get okay. certain locations if it's tough. Um, uh, right now the first thing we're doing is getting a budget together right now and then we're gonna start. You know, then we're gonna start begging. You yeah. Know? Once yeah. you
0: have your fundraising campaign together, let us know and we'll promote it on the mm-hmm. the channels, the well, social media.
2: Well, God bless you. That'd be yeah. that would be Word. wonderful for sure. I'm. Uh, that's what we're, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm always thinking about new ways to uh, to get the money because that's always the toughest part of any film, right? Oh, know. Sure.
0: I know, and especially it's it blows my mind how expensive running a professional film is not even you know once you get into like union and stuff like that then it's very like prescribed and you know how much you have to pay people but just like getting basic camera equipment and you know permits if you need that and absolutely paying actors and stuff like that it is you know it's great and that's why i tell people like if there's a film that you've read about you know even if you don't have a lot of money if you can go to the movies once a year and you find one movie that speaks to you like pay the money to see it, you know, absolutely and patronize yeah. these
1: people,
2: mm-hmm. especially sure. if it's Ma- independent,
1: exactly. And Maddie, I think it's so wonderful that you, I mean, just not to then spin that comment into something huge, but um, we live in this day and age, I think, with the internet that everybody is like, What can I get for free? What can I get for free? I want to listen to that for free, I want to read that for free, I want to watch that for free. and. Um, while I, it's all well and good to a certain extent to have this free exchange of information, we have to pay our creative people properly. And the way to make sure creative people and get paid is by paying your freaking $3 and 99 cents to rent something on Amazon, if you want to watch it. Um, and to be really mindful of that. And that's why I never, you know, if I want to listen to a song or read a book or whatever or watch a film, I don't mind paying for it because you're not just and it's not just the actors and the screenwriters and the artists that are getting paid. But it's the guy that holds the boom and the craft services people and all of that. So support creatives by putting your money there, um, especially if you can afford it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes back to
0: book. we talked about this in one of the first episodes, Shay, um, the Kappa woman whose name is ex- escaping me who has the newsletter where she talked about you know if you go to
1: hannah 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 mehan
0: yes we'll link back to that as well because she has some great stuff but she had a thing where she was like if you go to mcdonald's and you order something and it's like okay it costs three dollars you don't go up to the mcdonald's counter and say oh well you just opened this mcdonald's franchise so therefore i'm going to pay you a dollar fifty because you haven't proven yourself yet Mm -hmm. or let me negotiate like you go to a Mm -hmm. business the business says this is what I'm offering, this is what the cost is, and for creatives, or the opposite is true, where people come to the creative person, they say, what do you charge? And the person will say, oh, you know, what did you charge so-and-so? Like, you know, this is my first time, so maybe I'll do it on commission, or you don't have to pay me, I'll just volunteer, and it's this sort of wishy-washy thing, and then you get into the whole issue, not to snowball, but I think, because there's no transparency, and because people aren't like, this is my price, if you don't want to pay it, you can leave you get into the issues with what we're seeing where like you know Monique just came out to Netflix and said you know she was offered $500,000 to do a comedy special and Wanda Sykes who's you know Monique is a little problematic but Wanda Sykes who's a comedy legend was only offered $150,000 to do a Netflix wow. special whereas Amy Schumer was offered you know tens of millions of Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, who are also legends, were offered, you know, $20 million. So the fact that Wanda Sykes was making, you know, 1% to 2% of what these other people were paying, you get into these weird things where it's like, you know...
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: People aren't putting themselves out there, but also people are taking advantage of these creative people, I think.
2: Well you know Oh for sure. Um I think this is going off topic again, but you know about what happened with all the money in the world. Oh was fun, yeah, with it was a Michelle very Williams. Fun, very mm-hmm. funny title, you so know, that, in yeah. hindsight. <laughs> um, very ironic. Yeah, I don't like eventually um Mark Wahlberg took the payday that he took uh, for that for those reshoots and gave them um, donated them to Times right. Up which is a great PR move. Um, but you have to wonder, like, would he have done that unless if the story no. hadn't broken? No way. That,
0: 100% know, no. And my other thing, anything. this is my little soapbox about Time's Up, which I'd love to give get Kevin's thoughts on this as someone who likes to write these strong female roles in his features. But the last time... I have a subscription to People Magazine, just, you know, because I'm obsessed with celebrities and whatnot. But um, they were talking... They... We're talking about the SAG Awards, which is the last, like, movie award show that was on TV. And at that time, it's probably expanded since then. But the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund only has $18 million in it. Wow. And that's including, you know, Mark Wahlberg's... Right. Reshoot money. And I'm like... (laughs) Are you freaking kidding me? And I thought that at the Golden Globes, because at that time it was like 15 to 17 million. And then once this magazine came out, it was 18 million. And I was like, all these people are getting dressed up in black and are like, we support it. And Mark Wahlberg with his PR moves and stuff. And I'm like, you guys who make, you know, not to put these people on the spot because I think they do a lot in their personal lives, but, you know, just using it as a benchmark of how much these people are getting paid. Dave Chappelle is making $22 million on a Netflix special. All these Hollywood people, they're doing that for just one project, and the whole movement, legal defense fund, only has $18 million in it. Just goes to show you, there's some cheap people in Hollywood.
2: (laughs) Well, without a doubt, I mean, they wouldn't have all their money if they didn't, like, know how to pinch a penny from time to time. Sure. Um, and I think that absolutely, like, if they're going to support a fund, they need to put their money where their mouth is. It's just, it's the same thing, you know, people will wear pins in support of such and such or dump ice on their head in support of such and such. (laughs) Which that ended
0: up making a ton of money.
2: Well, that's, I mean, that was an example of something that did work, Mm -hmm. um, because they really did help a lot for ALS research. Um, but there are plenty of people who will do certain shows of respect but not actually donate anything and then there's people just giving a shout out
0: of what i think the right thing to do is like jessica chastain and octavia spencer there was a story that i read this Mm -hmm. week that you know they've worked together on the help and in movies since then and they were in talks to do a project together and jessica chastain said i don't I'm not going to sign on to do this movie. I'm not going to bring my star power until you pay Octavia Spencer what she should Good. be yeah, exactly like
2: equal, equal right. amounts and yes. she is like my favorite actress and one of my favorite people on earth right now yeah Just, she has been for several years but uh, octavia
1: or jessica jessica
2: i should say yeah, but Octa- awesome. octavia is wonderful and i love seeing yeah. her anytime she's in a film um, i saw
1: her having dinner at the smile once and she looked very beautiful <gasps> mm-hmm. really awesome. i know
2: oh my god mm-hmm. wait which one
1: uh octavia oh okay she's with her friends um But uh, I was to say on this line of kind of talk, if you guys haven't already read the article in Hollywood uh, Reporter about um, Ellen Pompeo talking about how she, you know, she's the highest paid woman on television right now. She makes half a million dollars. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect it because like she's kind of, you know, B-list and has been on Grace for so long. But it talks about how she basically walked in and was like, you're going to pay me what you pay Patrick Dempsey. Or I'm quitting and it's my, I'm the vehicle for the show. Um, and it talks about how Shonda Rhimes supported her in that. And I think just given the, it's very similar to the Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer story. So I would really highly recommend everyone reads that. Um, and kids, I am so sorry, but I have a dinner waiting for me. So I have to run. Um, but Thank you Kevin, for the yeah, you're welcome. Maddie will finish the interview. She's amazing, yes. as you know. Um, so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for sharing um, your thoughts and um, good luck with everything.
2: Thank you so much. It was wonderful to meet you too and Yay. just listen to the rest of the interview if you want to hear more <laughs> of my I thoughts. I 100 there are hundreds of hundreds more things I could say about everything we've talked about yes. so far. <laughs> so, this know. is just a I snippet. Know. Yeah, I know. Just a little sampling.
1: Well, I'll, I'll I'll throw out another think, topic for you guys to discuss if you want. I would love to, when I tune in to this, hear Kevin's <laughs> opinions on uh, kind of this golden age of television we're going through oh, right yeah. now. And mm-hmm. if you prefer that genre and that vehicle, or do you have a preference? So I will look forward to hearing you guys talk about All that, right. perhaps. All right, Bye. Shay. We love you. Bye, guys. Love you.
0: Hey campers, Resident Youth here. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and please make sure to stay tuned next Saturday for part two of this exciting interview with Kevin. After Shay left, I was so enthralled with talking to Kevin and interviewing him that at one point I forgot that we were even still recording. Um, So hopefully you guys find it equally as captivating. We go more into Kevin's favorite movies, prestige television, and all about the climate in Hollywood today. So super fascinating stuff please tune in, and if you have any thoughts about this episode or any of our episodes, please email us, hello at campadulthood.com, or hit us up on the social media at camp underscore adulthood. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yerge, resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.